very much that you love us, uh, that you love us, Lord God, and that there isn't a day, whether it be a hard day or a great day or just a kind of boring day, that you aren't with us and that you aren't aware of our existence and that you don't love us. Lord, I just thank you for that. Um, and as we turn to the scripture today, I ask that you'd help us to understand it, help it to be real and help us to walk away changed. Uh, I thank you for that, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 So, uh, welcome to City Harbor Church, a safe place to find and follow Jesus. Today, we start a new series that we are calling Life's Healing Choices. Um, most everybody here has already picked up a copy of that book, um, and I've got four brand new copies that were put on the table uh, today. If you would like to have some reading to kind of go along, there's one chapter for every Sunday uh, that we're going to be uh, doing, and so I just kind of want to make you um, aware of that. But what we're going to be focused in is in Jesus' first big message that some people call the Sermon on the Mount. We're lifting it from Matthew 5. Uh, some people call it the Beatitudes or the B-attitudes or the Blessed or God Blesses. And so we're going to uh, focus this morning on Matthew chapter 3, chapter 5 and verse 3. Maybe I need some more coffee. Chapter 5. And verse 3. Yeah, I said it incorrectly the first time. So, and with life's healing choices, one of the interesting things, um, some of us are aware of this, some of us are not, but Jesus' teaching in Matthew 5, uh, these eight weeks that we're going to take, actually follow the healing process. They follow the healing process. And so this life's healing choices, we're going to follow, Je- I don't have anything better than Jesus. Hello? Right? We're going to follow what Jesus has to say and we're going to apply it to our lives. And some Sundays we'll take a whole chapter, some Sundays we don't. But on this series, we're going to take one verse at a time and apply its meaning and let it be real to us. Let it speak to us. Does that sound good? Yes. Now, Jesus says, Matthew chapter 5 verse 3, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for Him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now, you might be uh, accustomed to uh, the translation of blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God, or they will receive the kingdom of heaven. There's a few different translations. Here's what I want to unpack, okay? Jesus, in the street Greek that he is speaking, essentially says this, happy, happy. Their life is better. People notice. People like, your life is better. They're happy are people who have a humility, people who have a realization that in their spirit they need something. There's a humility, there's a hunger, there's a realization. They don't have it all together. They're not self-sustaining. They realize, oh yes, I do have a belly button, which means I did not bring myself to this planet. Some of you will get that later. Um, That's what he's saying, right? So let, let's talk about the human condition just real quick. On the screen, you have some bad words. Well, that got some of your attention. Um, stress, fears, regrets, worry, bad habits, attractions, wrong attractions, addiction, anger, diet, an unhealthy diet, dishonesty, uh, painful memories, uh, perfectionism. 
uh, resentment, compulsive thoughts, an unhealthy relationship with food, sex, or substances. If you can point at any one of these things, congratulations, you're human. And you are in the right place. If you can't point to one of these things, you're perfect. We don't need you here. (laughs) Or maybe it's another problem that we should be discussing, right? So if you can point to one of these things, you can, you can, you're, you're in the human condition, right? You're in the human condition. And what that means is that you are experiencing or have experienced or will yet experience one of life's hurts, hangups, or habits. We're going to kind of talk about kind of broadly um, in I've been hurt by something that was done to me or something that has occurred in my life. I, I'm hurt. Or I've got a hang-up. I've got, I've got a habit. I've, 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 got, I've got an addiction. Maybe something that I keep private. Right? I've got a hang-up. I've got something I can't get over. I've got resentment. I've got something deep in my heart that I've not allowed God to heal. Right? Everyone in this room has experienced life's hurts, hang-ups, and habits. And the language of recovery is not something that is for those people. Did I trip? Did I stutter? Right? It's easy for us to get a stigma, right? About whether we describe it as mental health. Or we describe it as addiction, or we describe it as maybe a demonic thing or a Satan thing, right? We can have a, a stigma. The reality is, we are all human. And you cannot fix a spiritual problem with a natural substance. And every human, in their human nature, may choose to try to self-medicate with something other than Jesus. And that every other thing but Jesus will not ultimately satisfy. It won't. And your self-medication might be, even now you're already turning me off. I'm good. I haven't killed anybody. I'm not Hitler. I'm not an addict, right? That's that's human nature. Uh, That is in itself a problem. Right? So we're gonna, we're gonna kinda open the scripture a little bit and take a look at this. Jesus saying God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for Him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. I, I wanna let you know you are in the right place. This is a safe place to find healing and freedom from life's hurts, hang-ups, and habits. The reality is that we will choose to do things that aren't good for us even when we know better. That we respond in hurtful ways when we are hurt. And that we will try to fix problems but make them worse. Paul understood this. So in his letter to the Romans, he he said, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I don't do. But what I hate to do, I do. I know that nothing good lives in my sinful nature. I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out.
The root cause under this is when we're playing God. Can I have your attention? I know there's other stuff going on in the room. Can I have your attention? Okay. The root cause is playing God. And that might sound weird to you, but everyone in this room in some way, shape, or form has played God in their life. You have. Oh, I know what God says, but I'm going to do it my way. Or the Bible says we shouldn't think more highly of ourselves than we ought. And so what we'll do is we'll say, it's really not that bad. I can handle it on my own. It's not that bad. I got it. Or time heals all wounds. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Jesus heals all wounds. You don't got it. Right? That's not, that's not how it works. But that's what we will tell ourselves, right? Other people have problems. I'm good. I don't, it's not that bad. I don't have problems. I got this. That's what we'll tell ourselves and we'll keep going. And I really saw heads perk up last Sunday when I talked a little bit about how even in my own life I have learned that you can come to a certain place of believing Jesus, come to a certain place of healing, and then figure that the way your life is, you're just supposed to soldier through. That's the way it's supposed to be. You just press on. Tough it out, press on. And then deal with a certain measure of whatever your issue is. And then your life is affected. What am I talking about? I'm talking about when moments turn into minutes, turn into hours, where whether it's a pride thing, a self-sustaining thing, a selfishness thing, a secret sin, an addiction thing, a, a, a anxiety giving way to worry about finances. Jesus says these are the things that, that dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. And if I'm dealing with depression, hurt that I can't get over, or some some form of addiction, what's happening is, is that I'm giving over to the enemy moments of my life and energy of my life that God said shouldn't be. Jesus said, John 10.10, 10, I came to give you life and that to the full. What, what if it's true? No, no, really, come on, go with me. What if it's true? What if God exists? He created the world. He created you by design. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to live, tempted like we are, yet without sin, to die on the cross, so that we could be forgiven, to pay the price for our mistakes, and then raised Him to life to prove that the promises are real. That you can live with joy. What if it's true? But you choose, I'm good, to go through life, giving up energy to life's hurts, hang-ups, and habits. What, what if that's true? Do we, in our culture more than any other, don't tell me, I got it. I, you know what I'm talking about? Don't, I don't want nobody to tell me how to live my life. That's the American way. But we're playing God. So the consequences of our problems are easy to identify. They're fear, they're frustration, fatigue, and failure. David wrote about this in Psalm 32, verses 3 through 5. My dishonesty made me miserable and filled my days with frustration. 
the consequences are real. So I, I want to take a, a Bible kind of focused look at repentance and recovery. What does it mean? I'm so glad you asked. Life's healing choice, the first one, is what we call the reality choice. Realize that I'm not God. I must humbly admit that I need help. Now, the fact of the matter is, is that you're born with, a, in your human nature, a denial mechanism that kind of protects you in the case of really traumatic circumstances so that you can slowly digest what has just occurred. But what happens is that we get denial out of whack and we get kind of self-focused. And, and, and I, I heard somebody say, denial is not just a river in Egypt. I don't know why they say that. What happens is that we, no, I'm good, right? But everybody in this room has to admit we need to humbly admit that we need help. The good news is hurts can be healed. The bad news is it takes humility. Okay, breathe and just take that in, right? James, I love James. James was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. James is no nonsense. He said this on the screen, James 4, 6, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And that grace that he wrote about, when we unpack it in the scriptures, he specifically, his phrasing is talking about the power, the ability, the God-given ability to change. Your level of depression, your level of anxiety, your level of stress, your level of whatever sin it is you're hiring, uh, hiding, it can change. It can change. I, I, I used to get frustrated with proud people, which started with me being frustrated with myself. Um, but now it just makes me sad. Because God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. So I want to unpack what this means to, to realize that I'm not God and to humbly admit that I need help. Here's what I'm talking about. Three things. It means I make a decision that I'm powerless to change my past. You, you can't change what's in your past. Okay? You can't. It's What's done is done. I'm powerless to control others. Some of us are trying to fix our hurt, hang up, or habit by trying to manipulate other people. You, you can't. I mean, you might for a little while, partially, you can't control others. I'm powerless to cope with my harmful habits, behaviors, and actions. Well, Pastor Ben, I don't like that word powerless. Okay, let's, let's look at what Paul has to say. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. This is Paul speaking about himself and the ministry leaders he was traveling with. Okay? We saw how powerless we were to help ourselves. But that was good. For then we put everything into the hands of God, who alone could save us. For he can even raise the dead. We need to understand something. Our secrets make us sick. You've got to admit it to defeat it. You've got to deal with our fear of honesty. I, I, I find that the fear that is most common in the human condition is a fear of honesty. Some of you remember that movie. You can't handle the truth. Right? We, the fear of honesty is real. 
clean out the refrigerator once in a while. You ever notice when you clean out the refrigerator that something doesn't need to smell bad to be rotting on the inside? Something doesn't need to smell bad, it doesn't need to look bad to be rotting. You know, like, you ever smelled a bad potato? Holy fat cow, right? That's bad, and I know it, right? I don't need to worry, I don't need to really sniff too much before I eat it. But you ever, it, not as common out here, but on the West Coast, avocados? Avocados can look fine on the outside and not smell at all, but whoo something stinks on the inside, right? Sometimes there's stuff on the inside of our life, an unresolved hurt, a sin issue, and, and we can't, we can't smell it. That's, that's why we've gotta do these three things. Humbly admit that I need help. Second, humbly ask God for help. And third, humbly accept help from others. Those are three steps. And, and, and until you're willing to take those steps, you're gonna be stuck. And what can happen is you can get stuck in life. And, 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 and I love you, but some of you are stuck. Some of you that don't talk to me at all, some of you that talk to me a lot. You're stuck. I, I just want to, as the pastor of this church, say this is a part of our spiritual condition right now. It's not always been the case, and it will not always be the case, but it is a part of our spiritual condition right now, which is why we're doing this series right now, because a good number of us, we're stuck. And what can, how do you get stuck? You can get stuck through fear. You can get stuck through pride. Pride is pushing through life, pretending that a problem isn't there, or not listening when someone else is telling us that a problem is there. Fear. How do I get stuck with fear? You can have fear of your own emotions. I'm afraid that if I start to deal with this, I'm not going to be able to handle it. I just want to say something. Pretty much every human I've ever known at some time in their life has worried if they were starting to lose their mind. And, and I, have, I have worked with people that are mentally ill. If you're afraid, if you've ever been afraid that you're losing your mind, you're not. People that are mentally ill don't have that fear. I'm not trying to be funny or sarcastic. I'm trying to bring some freedom in this room. Are you, are you ready for some freedom? Yes. Right? Some freedom. If you ever worry about that, you're not losing it. You're sane. Relax. Don't let a fear that I'm not going to be able to handle the emotions if I start to deal with this issue in my life, don't let a fear keep you stuck. It's God you rely on. God created your mind. He created your spirit. He created your heart. God can carry you through. That was a really good time to say amen. 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 Sometimes we fear that we won't be able to handle it. Sometimes we fear the reaction of others. I'm worried that if I start to unpack my stuff, people are going to reject me or people are going to abandon me. Am I talking to anybody in this room? Right? If I start to get real about what I'm going through, Right? And that fear can leave you stuck. Not really receiving God's freedom, not really receiving God's healing, and being in a place in your life where you can't live the life to the full that Jesus has for you. You can't really experience a whole person kind of joy. Don't let fear keep you stuck. 
Third, it could be a fear that being honest is pointless or useless. And, and I run into this a lot because we've tried to wrestle with the issue before and it didn't change. You know what I'm saying? And that fear that it's pointless or useless can, can keep us in a place where we're, where we're stuck. Because of pride, because of fear, we try to fix ourselves. We can't solve a spiritual problem with natural substance or a natural wisdom or natural experience. So we've got to make a reality choice and realize that we're not God. And in doing that, we've got to humbly admit that we need help. We need to humbly ask God for help. And we need to humbly accept help from others. I like the way that um, Pastor Eugene Peterson phrased it in his paraphrase of this passage that we're looking at, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. It's on the screen. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and His rule. You're blessed. You're blessed. So we've got to humbly admit that we need help. We've got to humbly ask God for help. And that's a beautiful thing because God created you. Ain't nothing wrong with you that God can't fix. And we've got to accept help from others. How do I know this? It's true in my life. I I can absolutely say that I stand here this morning with peace. That I stand here this morning with real joy. Because I have asked God for help and I have asked other people for help. It works in my life. Paul writes, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 9 through 10, two are better off than one. For they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Here's the last verse that I want us to look at today that's so important. Admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. This is God, not me, people. We get together and pray for each other like we did this morning. This is God's idea, not ours. We're not trying to be cool. We're not trying to get in your business. We're not trying to fix you. We're not here to fix you. That's God. That's what God's for. But God has wired us for relationship. And when we try to go through life alone, when we try to deal with our problems alone, when we try to keep things private, that's where we do not have victory. Do you, do you know willpower doesn't work? You know why willpower doesn't work? Because you get tired. It doesn't work that way. Some of us need to just write this verse on our arms. Admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I like this. Revealing your feeling is the beginning of healing. Revealing your feeling is the beginning of healing. I'm going to wrap up and hand it to Brian, who's going to share part of his story with us this morning relative to this. I want to tell you what we're going to do in this series, because you might already be feeling like, eh, I don't know if I like this. And that's true, because for most people, this is the hardest of all eight choices. 
realizing that you're not God and humbly admitting that you need help. This is the hardest choice. So I want to just quickly tell you what we're going to do. We're going to focus on the future. We're going to accept personal responsibility. We're going to make a spiritual commitment. We're going to say yes to a call to action to pray, write, and share. And when we do this, we're going to be able to have the same kind of testimonies as a bunch of people. And here's three. One person saying, I've been living with shame or guilt from my past, and now I don't have to live with that pain anymore. I've been trapped in a habit or hang-up that is messing up my life, and now I can be free of its hold on me. I've always been afraid and worried about what may happen tomorrow, and now I can face my future with peace and confidence. Brian, will you come share your story with us, please?